It is Wednesday, September 23rd. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. Jaguars Happy Hour is presented by the Fields Auto Group. And now, a guy who's having a friendly battle with Todd Wash for the best head of hair, J.P. Shadrick. I, I don't have any choice in the matter. He might. Welcome in. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. J.P. Shadrick with you. Uh, Bucky Brooks, John Ozier coming up. We've got a busy program ahead as we get ready for Thursday night football tomorrow. The Dolphins and the Jaguars, a Sunshine State showdown on Thursday night football tomorrow. We'll get into the game. The offense is spreading the wealth. They're off to a fantastic start. They're scoring a lot of points. That's good news. The defense has been a little slow starting games. How do they work themselves out of that trend to begin the season? We'll get a scout's view from Bucky Brooks and a couple of key contributors. We'll play big game Jaguar yet again and pick our... Jaguars to have a big game. Jimmy Luck will join us. The uniforms have been unveiled already, but he will show them to us, as he always does in this program on Wednesdays. Bucky Brooks, John Osier joining us now. Bucky, what's going on with you? Hey, man, it's all good. Looking forward to this, a Thursday night battle. The Jaguars get to be on the national stage. That's, that's applause-worthy. It is. And, and so what they've been so far, at least they've been uh, national stage worthy on certainly on the offensive side. John, I could get used to these short weeks, I'll tell you. Yeah, I don't mind. them. I mean, I, I from a football standpoint, though, uh, I guess the older I get and the more players I talk to, I, I would just as soon do away with the whole concept from a football standpoint. I think it's really hard on the players. There was no practice this week. Um, but at the same time, as a fan, I sort of look forward to tuning in every Thursday. So I guess you got to take one for the team every now and then and be on these Thursday night games. Right. It happens uh, once a year for every team, uh, pretty much every team in the National Football League. And as of late, it's been really the only primetime game for the Jaguars in every season. Uh, the last time they were on not a playing Sunday Tennessee this year, night. JP. That's true. It's always a, a, a I mean, come on. Jaguars special. Early in the season, it feels like. Now we've got a Dolphins-Jaguars matchup. Let's get to the injury report today. We'll get into the game coming up. But uh, some good news today for the tight end room. Tyler Davis practiced full today. He was limited Monday and Tuesday. He had been out with a knee issue the first couple weeks. The rookie tight end from Georgia Tech. We'll see what kind of contribution he could make if he's up and available. Brandon Watson went full today. He had not practiced on Monday or Tuesday. The uh, reserve safety. Uh, DJ Chark though, was limited Monday and Tuesday with a chest-slash-back issue and did not practice today. He's questionable for the game. Uh, Josh Lambeau's ruled out for the game officially on uh, Thursday night, so they'll have to make a move at kicker. And Brandon Linder has not practiced. He is ruled out for the game. And, John, those are some notable names there. Starting center, the kicker, and DJ Chark's questionable. That's huge. Yeah, uh, huge news there on the injury report. Brandon Wright, a rookie from Georgia State, will kick for the Jaguars tomorrow. Uh, for fans who don't know him, he's a punter and a kicker. Doug Marone just talked about him on a conference call, said his confidence level is high. And um, Tyler Shatley, as I think everybody knew, will start for Brandon Leonard at center. That's felt sort of expected all week. Hard to tell what's going to happen with DJ. They said they're being cautious. Uh, didn't get a great vibe, but on Thursday nights, as Bucky can talk to later, 
on Thursday games, so much happens in terms of recovery for probable or questionable guys that he'll probably be a game-time decision. Josh Lambeau, though, he's going to go on IR, which means he's out at least three weeks with a hip injury. Um, I'm usually somebody who thinks, okay, a injury in the short term in this league, usually you can overcome it quickly. Kicker, as good as this guy has been, it's going to be something to watch big time on Thursday. No doubt, Bucky. These are big names on the injury report that are out for a Thursday night national game. Yeah, big games, but this is kind of the state of the NFL right now. Everyone is having to really dig deep, find guys that are backups that are ready to play. And so when you're talking about the Jaguars, the youngest team in the National Football League, you're just going to have to count on some other people to step up and be able to stand in there and really thrive in these roles that may have been thrust upon them when they were unexpected. So we'll, uh, we'll keep a close watch, close to, to game time when the inactives are announced tomorrow, about an hour and a half uh, before kickoff to see what DJ Chark's status is for the game. Though let's let's uh, quickly wrap last week's game, the uh, Jaguars and the Titans in week two. And uh, this was another pretty good offensive day. I mean, they're averaging 28.5 points per game so far. It's tied for eighth in the league, tied for fourth in the AFC with the Chiefs. Uh, Minshew led the charge in the second half with those three touchdown drives to get the, the game back tied again. The running game was fantastic again with James Robinson. So, so Bucky, it's a, a lot of the same. They're spreading the ball around. They can run the football. And, you know, if they weren't down two scores to begin with, you, you might see a little bit more from the offense. But they're having a clawback in games. But so far, they've been able to do that a couple of times this season, Bucky. Yeah, so far, the positives has been about Garner Minshew playing really well. He didn't know how quickly he would pick up Jay Gruden's offense. That has obviously worked out. They're converting that we saw at 10 for 14 on third down. Man, you're talking about operating at a very efficient clip. James Robinson gives an, a quiet 100-yard game. Like, if you didn't really watch the game, you wouldn't even sense that he had 100 yards. And so that's positive. One thing that stands out and is one of the reasons why they lost the two turnovers. Typically, when you lose the turnover battle by plus two, you're talking about it's a 75% it's a win rate when you win the turnover battle by plus two. The Jaguars can't give the ball away. The margin for error is really thin, especially with the defense not playing at a high level. Yeah, John, those two interceptions were two, um, you know, just miscalculated. Well, the, the person was tipped by Colin Johnson, who's six foot six and didn't, uh, he thought the ball was coming to him. It was supposed to go to O'Shaughnessy. And the last one, um, well, Clowney was lined up offside, but that's beside the point. And uh, it was a that tip hurts. ball at the line, so it does. But there were two, two tip ball interceptions, unfortunate. Yeah, I didn't know you could do that, JP. If I had known that, I would have had the receivers about 15 yard downfield to start because that would have maybe even things out. I think a huge thing, uh, and I really haven't had time to study this that much because it was a short week. The third down conversions that Bucky talked about, it's huge. John Gruden, I mean, I'm sorry, Jay Gruden. I knew I was going to do that at some point this season. Jay Gruden talked about that this week as being key to the offense, 10 of 14. If they were converting less, they'd be scoring about half that much. My sense is, without really going back and studying it, James Robinson gets more out of early down carries than I think Leonard Fournette did. With James Robinson, he gets three or four yards. He gets whatever's there. Sometimes Fournette would only get a yard or two, maybe doing a little bit too much dancing. My sense is that they're being helped 
by better down and distance, and that that's causing them to be able to convert a lot better. It's easier to convert third and three than third and seven. I don't know if Bucky's seen that or not, but I think yeah. his efficient running style helps them overall, maybe in a hidden stat in that sense. Yeah, there is a hidden stat, and part of it is the threat of James Robinson because he has been very effective. The one thing that Jay Gruden has done, Garner Minshew has been excellent off play action. 13 for 17, averaging 9.9 yards per attempt, three touchdowns, and a passer rating of 146 when he throws off play action. And so on early downs, when they line up in the eye and they fake to James Robinson, pull it out, they're now putting themselves in situations where it is second and short, very manageable situations. And part of being successful on third down is putting yourself in a position to have those manageable third downs on first and second down. The Jaguars have really done a good job of kind of playing, uh, playing the game in that manner. Offensive line has a lot to do with that too, guys. Of course, they're they're playing very well, at least early in this season, getting that push up front with the veteran group for the most part. They'll have, and even when Shatley came in last week in the third quarter, uh, they still ran the ball effectively behind Shatley too, Bucky. Yeah, now they've been able to run the ball very, very effectively. And I think that's been one of the things that you Doug Marone, you Jake Rudin, you feel very encouraged about because you didn't know what this offensive line and what this unit was going to do because of, like, you didn't have the full complement of the offseason. But it's been very impressive to watch them run the ball, run the ball when everyone in the stadium knows they have to run the ball. That's very, very critical. And so James Robinson looks like a fine, but this offensive line looks like they have the capability of being able to push people off the ball. That bodes well for the Jaguars going down the stretch. And, John, the, hey, the entire Jaguars brass called it. Yes. Yeah. It, it, remember the whole tanking thing? Remember tanking for Trevor <laughs> 10 days ago? 10 days ago? Yeah. If you looked at it, and I missed it a little bit, but if you really looked at it, the interior of the offensive line, the way they approached it, should have been enough to tell everybody that the whole tanking thing was ridiculous. They brought back Norwell, who, who would have cost him a little bit on the cap, but they could have gotten rid of him if they were tanking. Linder was a dead swap in terms of his cap space. If they were tanking, you get rid of him. If they're tanking, you sure don't bring back a six-year veteran to be your swing guard, swing center like they did with Shatley. Now they're, they're benefiting from that now. They have experience to go in at center. This team wanted to win, and they kept telling us all offseason, the offensive line is going to be better. The offensive line is a big reason why. The key to that whole tanking BS was the fact that they were bringing back an experienced offensive line, and Tyler Shatley is maybe an example of that. Man, well, John, Bucky, John's, John's bringing up the heat today. Yeah, he's fired, he's fired up today, today about the, the tanking thing. Yeah. Now, look, it's, 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 been a, it's, been a, it's been a pleasant surprise to see the Jaguars not only compete but to win games. I think we could make a solid case that they could be and maybe should be 2-0 and at this mark. And that's why the game Thursday night is really, really important because it's important for them to go to 2-1 and to just kind of legitimize what – Doug Marone, Dave Caldwell, and everyone is doing. Because, look, on the outside, everyone was saying, this team has given up. They've, they've waved the white flag. They're waiting for next year to find their quarterback of the future. If they get out to a start where they're at 2-1 and one and well-positioned to possibly go 3-1, and one, I think it changes that. But it also gives more confidence to the people in the locker room because then the guys may begin to believe that, hey, we may have a shot to do something that no one thought that we could be able to do, and that's really compete for a playoff spot. Two and one going into the mini bye weekend the, the sounds pretty nice. Divorce, but yeah, like, that's where we're at. 
That's where we are uh, going into Thursday night football. We have a chance to be two and one, and then go into the mini buy, and then to Cincinnati next week. So we've got plenty ahead on uh, Jaguars Happy Hour presented by the Fields Auto Group. We'll come back and get into the Jaguars defense and how they can start a little bit faster defensively. It has not been the case the first two weeks of the season. A little later, Jimmy Luck joins us, the head equipment manager, to show off the all-teal uniforms for tomorrow night's football game against the Miami Dolphins. And we'll get some scouts take and big game Jaguar. That's all ahead. And we can't wait to be Duval together tomorrow night. The Jags are taking every precaution to keep fans safe at the bank this fall. From cashless concessions to contactless entry. Visit jaguars.com stadium and learn more. And tickets are available in pods for tomorrow night's game. Visit jaguars.com tickets. For more, we're off and running. It's Jaguars Happy Hour presented by the Fields Auto Group on the Jaguars Digital Network. You can step up to luxury now. Hello, I'm Dan Fields. Whatever you're driving, you can step up to luxury now. Plus, get our Fields amenities, which include washes and our cafes. Make this your year to step up to luxury at Fields Cadillac, Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Land Rover, Jaguar, and Lexus. When it comes to the ultimate car buying experience, there's only one name that matters, Fields. And Fields matters because you matter. The Fields Auto Group, proud partners of your Jacksonville Jaguars. Committed to the team, committed to the mission. At Navy Mutual, we're committed to providing high quality life insurance to members of the military and their families. So our policies have no fine print and no military service restrictions. We don't work on commission. We're nonprofit, so we pass the savings along to our members. Because at Navy Mutual, our highest commitment is to you. Visit NavyMutual.org. Navy Mutual, ensuring those who serve. Slot right, move 42, hot, hot. A great quarterback is a true leader with a work ethic that never wavers and a desire to win that is second to none. We know a truck like that. Ford F-Series, America's best-selling truck 43 years straight. With impressive towing and payload, Ford F-150 makes tough jobs look easy. Visit your local Ford dealer for great offers on F-150, official truck of the NFL. Based on 1977 to 2019 calendar year total sales. Jaguars happy hour on this Wednesday presented by the Fields Auto Group and the Jaguars have launched an organization-wide commitment to voter education organized by players and coaches and designed to encourage fans to get in the game with a call for civic engagement. The Jags are calling for fans in Florida to register to vote by the October 5th deadline. That's coming up right around the corner. Today is September 23rd. Visit jaguars.com vote as a resource for voter registration. And to find key deadlines, J.P. Shadrick, John Osier in Jacksonville, Bucky Brooks out in California, the Jags and the Dolphins coming up on Thursday night football tomorrow night at TIAA Bank Field. A chance for the Jags to move to 2-1 and one, and then uh, have a nice weekend to think about that and get ready for Cincinnati in week four. Uh, but before we move on to the Jags defense, Bucky, what, um, what stands out about the Dolphins' defense so far that the Jags' offense would have to what, – what scares you about the Dolphins' defense, if anything? The Dolphins will, the Dolphins will play a ton of man-to-man coverage. Um, this is what Brian Flores believes in, coming from the New England school. They play a lot of uh, nose-to-nose, 
challenge the guys at the line of scrimmage and see if they can get off the line. And so for the Jaguars, I think the trick is can those guys win at the line of scrimmage? When I looked at the Dolphins and I looked at their numbers, uh, Gardner Minshew has been really good on quick game. Uh, so in passes under 2.5 seconds, uh, the Dolphins are holding people to a 64% completion rate and a 73.9 passer rating. And so if we're trying to get those rhythm throws that we've been able to see Garner Minshew do early in the game, those might not be available. So what is the counter that Jay Gruden comes up with to take care of the man-to-man coverage that the Dolphins will employ? Big, obviously, John, if, if DJ's not available, that, that deep threat that he presents might not be around for this Jags offense. Yeah, it, you wonder if it's a case where Flores says, you know what, I'm going to go strength on strength, meaning if you really scout back to last year and watch this Jaguars team, you know that Minshew's very good on that touch-deep ball. He showed it again during training camp. He's really good on it to Chark, so if he's not there, it's, it's a little bit of a blow. But Chenault can do that, too, and Keelan Cole can get deep. So in waiting this year for Minshew to sort of not uncork it because that's not what he does, but for him to hit those touch passes down the sidelines we all saw in training camp, my guess is, from what little I know about Floor, is he's not going to back off man-to-man. He's going to make them beat you deep. Minshew can do it. Can he do it without chart? We'll see. We'll find out uh, coming active time tomorrow night. Let's flip it around to the Jags defense now. And for two straight weeks, the opening drive has carved up this Jaguars defense, gone right down the field for a touchdown. Last week, the first two drives for Tennessee did it. Both drives were inside of two minutes of game time elapsed, um, respectively, and it was 14-zip right out of the gate. Bucky, it's a uh, it, it, you can't continue with that trend. Obviously, getting in a hole is is awful, and they were fortunate to climb back out of that hole last week to tie the game late. But fourteen nothing is not going to get you too far. How do you how do you slow that trend down? You know, I think what uh, Todd Watch has now he has two games of film to look at and kind of determine what are the things that we do really really well. John brought up an interesting point when he talked about playing strength on strength. I think this is a game where you look at what the Dolphins do, but I think because it's such a short week, you have to build the game plan off what you do really well. And so if Todd Watch looks at the tape, he may discover that, okay, we pressure pretty good at times. Maybe we need to dial up a little more pressure early in the game, get Miles Jack involved. Hopefully he can be an impact player to compliment Josh Allen. Maybe our young guys can hold up because when I look at their wide receiver core, you have Devontae Parker, but it's not necessarily the same threats that – um, the Jaguars have faced early on. So maybe a little more aggressiveness to try and see if the Jaguars can dictate the terms and create more long yardage third down situations where they can potentially fare better. John, I know you asked Todd about the, the blitzing and this week and, and when to blitz, how to blitz. Fans are clamoring for the blitz. It's the popular thing to do on video games and all that, but it's not as easy in reality. Well, the reality is, you know, Every time in NFL history, JP, I looked this up, every time in NFL history that an opponent has completed a pass, the defensive coordinator should have blitzed, according to fans. It, it's, it's perceived as the end-all. It's not the end-all, especially in this defense. And I think Todd made a great point this week. If you're going to blitz and you know they're in max protect and you're just sort of beating your head against a wall, then you're putting yourself in a position to fail. They're not going to blitz every time, but I do think if they continue to get the lack of pressure they have in the first couple of games, 
they're going to have to blitz more than they're comfortable with. There may be some feast or famine. In the past, that was really dangerous for this defense because there was a feeling the last two years, JP, you saw them all, that if this team got behind, it was dead. Well, this year with this offense, I'm not so sure that that's the case. So blitzing, even though you're giving up stuff on the back end, may not be out of the question. But the early game stuff has been going back even to the Colts game. Remember, they got rolled on the first series and got rolled down to the three on the, on the second series. Right. This team has to start faster. They've got to get off the field quicker early in the game. They only led five minutes of this season. You can't win games consistently doing that. Yeah, that's, that's not a good stat at all, certainly. Bucky, it's uh, you got you got to get that lead somehow and play with a lead. We haven't seen that much this year. No, we haven't. We haven't seen that. And John brings up a point. It's hard to climb out of holes consistently. And what typically has happened, uh, Coach Walsh has had to change his style a little bit. Had to ratchet up the pressure. And I think all fans should understand that when you're calling blitzes and a blitz is just uh, a five man or more pressure, what you're trying to do is really create one-on-one situations for your best pass rushers to be able to get home. It's not necessarily designed for the blitzer to get a clean run at the quarterback, even though sometimes you get that. And so Todd has to dial up more pressure, but then it's on the guys. They have to win up front. You have to win your one-on-one matchups. And so you have to put a little more pressure on Josh Allen and company up front to be able to get home. And so that's the dilemma. You don't want to expose the back end too often to one-on-one matchups but you have to find a way to somehow disrupt the rhythm of the passing game, particularly with a streaky quarterback like Ryan Fitzpatrick that is up this week. And don't yeah, forget, uh, J.P. Was... Yeah, John. The, the most veteran guy in the secondary right now is in his third year. So if you're leaving it exposed, you're leaving some kids exposed back there. Uh, last week, that's not always ideal. So that plays into it a little bit as well. You mentioned Ryan Fitzpatrick. He is, and this is, I just found this fascinating looking this up today. He is 36th on the all-time passing yardage list in the NFL, ahead of Steve Young, Y.A. Tittle, and Troy Aikman. He is streaky, as you said, Bucky. He's been around for a long time in the league, a bunch of different teams. Uh, Mm -hmm. But as you said, if he gets hot, then he's really hot. If he's cold... Uh, He's cold as ice. And how do you determine which one that's going to be, Bucky? Well, I mean, it's almost like any, mini, mighty mo. You just don't know which guy's going to show up. I will say this, and maybe this uh, works in the Jaguars' favor. He's coming off a game against Buffalo where he had 300-plus yards. He had two touchdowns and no interceptions. Ryan Fitzpatrick typically gives the ball to the other team. So maybe this is the Jaguars' lucky week that he gives it up. But to the streakiness point that you bring up, He's thrown for over 300 yards in three of his last four starts. So he can dial it up. He can stream together completions. He is unafraid. So even if he turns it over, he's going to continue to keep tossing the rock. And so this is a week where without practice time, hopefully the guys in the secondary have caught a lot of passes because he is going to throw one or two in their chest. They have to catch him because those turnovers could be backbreakers. Yeah, you'll get opportunities on the back end this week, John. It feels like if you can get there and get in his face and get some pressure. And, you know, it's just, it, the, the guy's been at it for so long. But, you know, the big story, of course, down there is 
when is Tua going to play? It won't be this week. It's a short week, and you don't want to do that to a rookie. But at some point, guys, uh, that's the future in Miami. I'd, I would be surprised to see that this week, John. Yeah, it'd be a shock. I, I talked to Armando Saguero, the Miami Herald, who's been doing the Dolphins forever down there. No way, in his opinion, does Tua play this week. You just can't get it ready because you're talking about a short week. As we know from covering the Jaguars this week, only walkthroughs, only run-throughs. There's not really any time to prep, so you don't do that. The thing with Fitzpatrick is he will throw the ball up to these bigger receivers on the Dolphins. I sense that this, this could mean a C.J. Henderson day. He's very good at playing the ball. He's going to get some opportunities. He's good at going up and getting the interception. Not all defensive backs are. Big play would be him taking advantage of uh, Fitzpatrick's willingness to throw the ball into tight spots and to put it up for grabs. CJ can win up for grabs. I like that. I like that for sure. Hey, Bucky, when, when do you think they pull the trigger on Tua down there since we're on the Dolphins right now? I think we have to look at the middle of their schedule um, because the, the tricky part is Ryan Fitzpatrick is coming off a great week. So we're talking yeah. about the streakiness. If he gets on one of those four or five game streaks, then you have to continue to keep Tua on the sidelines. But I think the ideal move is right around the middle of the season. He's been on the sideline enough to kind of get a, a feel for the practice routine and how fast the game is. At some point this year, though, you do want to see Tua Tungabailoa get on the field and have an opportunity to play. We'll see. If they, if they get hot and the Fitz magic happens again and they start winning football games, then you never can tell at that point. Uh, let's come back in a moment. Jimmy Luck is standing by. He will show off the uniforms that have already been unveiled for Thursday night football all teal for the first time ever. We'll take a look at those when we come back. The Jags are launching predictive gaming exclusively in the Jaguars mobile app this year. Choose a bingo card, pick your favorite three players, and you can place wagers to win prizes. Check the games out in the mobile app and do it right now. We're halfway home. It's Jaguars happy hour on the Jaguars digital network. You can step up to luxury now. Hello, I'm Dan Fields. Whatever you're driving, you can step up to luxury now. Plus, get our Fields amenities, which include complimentary loaners, car washes, and our cafes. Make this your year to step up to luxury at Fields Cadillac, Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Land Rover, Jaguar, and Lexus. When it comes to the ultimate car buying experience, there's only one name that matters, Fields. And Fields matters because you matter. The Fields Auto Group, proud partners of your Jacksonville Jaguars. Slot right, move 42, hot, hot. A great quarterback is a true leader with a work ethic that never wavers and a desire to win that is second to none. We know a truck like that. Ford F-Series, America's best-selling truck 43 years straight. With impressive towing and payload, Ford F-150 makes tough jobs look easy. Visit your local Ford dealer for great offers on F-150, official truck of the NFL. Based on 1977 to 2019 calendar year total sales. At ViStar, we believe in better. And that means treating people better with friendly, personal service that's kept our members happy since 1952. A smile and personal greeting when you enter the branch, an online or phone chat for those quick questions, and a call center that's open every day. If you believe that great service is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. 
Welcome back, Jaguars Happy Hour, presented by the Fields Auto Group. Wednesday, ahead of Thursday night football, the Miami Dolphins and the Jacksonville Jaguars coming up with an 8.20 Eastern time kickoff on the schedule tomorrow night. I hope you can make it down to the bank. It's going to be a fun one, and the Jags are playing some good football. They're one and one this year, and a chance to, to go above 500 going into a mini bye week, and then it's on to Cincinnati after that. That's on down the line a little bit, though. J.P. Shadrick with Bucky Brooks, John Osier. That music each week means it's time for head equipment manager Jimmy Luck to join us on the program, and uh, he will be with us uh, shortly. He is uh, getting uh, set up and ready to go in that uh, booth. They've already announced. There he is. Jimmy Luck is here with us now. Jimmy, can you hear us? How are you? Yep, I got you. Okay, well, welcome into the program. Appreciate it. Um, this is, they kind of, they, they stole your thunder this week, Jimmy. Yeah, a little bit. I must say, uh, they've already announced right, the uniforms. Yeah, there's a good look. It's all teal this week, Jimmy. Um, we'll get to what they look like in your hands here in a moment. But um, you know, this Thursday night game traditionally has been, at least over the last few years, where teams show off that, that full color rush where they wear the same top and bottom and, and do it on Thursday night football. What, the Jags have done this before, right? It was the, the gold. What was the name, the official name of that gold color they used to have? It's, uh, it's called okra. And uh, it's, okra, yeah, it's um, some people liked it. Some people didn't like it. Uh, it was definitely very unique. Um, you know, it's, it is one of our colors, but uh, I think everybody's more fired up about the teal. Yeah, it's going to be a good look, John, uh, for, to, for tomorrow night, no doubt. I know you're fired up, yeah. John, about the teal, right? Well, I, I once wore the gold uniform, and I must say I looked good in it. But <laughs> I forgot about it, yeah. I think I mean, that's just me. It's not about me, Jimmy. It's about the players. So what uh, have the players seen the combination? Do they like it, or do they not see it till tomorrow night? Uh, no, they, they've seen it. Um, there's been a few photo shoots here and there. So, um, you know, I know uh, Josh has had it on a few times, Josh Allen. And uh, I think maybe you know, with Photoshop these days, it's hard to tell who's actually seen it and who hadn't. I mean, there's pictures of teal helmets and everything like that. You know, we're not going that far. We're still keeping <laughs> still only one helmet in the NFL you can have. So um, we're not quite there yet. But uh, it will be you know, teal jerseys, teal pants, teal sleeves. Too. Do players still get fired up about uniforms, Jimmy? Oh yeah, yeah, they, they definitely, yeah. There's there's looks that they like, and then they'll they'll definitely give us their opinion if they don't like the look, or uh, you know if maybe we didn't play well. They'd be like, yeah, let's don't wear that again. So um, we do get a little bit of influence. We obviously have to declare really early in the year um, or before the season starts what jersey we're wearing, but we have some leeway with the uh, the pants and uh, the sleeves and the socks and those sort of things. So. You know, well, so Jimmy, I, I have a question. Uh, what does yeah. it look like for the coaches? Because if the players are in all teal, how are the coaches <laughs> going to distinguish themselves? Because do they wear black? Do they wear white that week? Because when you're on the sideline, you're trying to find the coach. Do you match that up to make sure that you take care of it? Well, we, we try to, especially for the signal callers, Todd Wash, he likes to kind of stand out. Um, some of the other coaches, they just get so set in their ways on what they wear. They like wearing what they wear whether it's, you know, like, hey, I want to wear this black hot jacket, whether it's 150 degrees outside <laughs> or it's 35, they got that hot jacket they want to wear. So, um, but, you know, we try to work with them if they do need to stand out. Um, 
you know, Coach Gruden, he's not a real big, like, that doesn't, you know, because he's talking in the radio, so he doesn't really care. But uh, Coach Wash likes to signal a lot. So um, so he'll usually wear something that kind of contrasts the players. Interesting thought there, for sure. With, with all the color rush going on on the sideline, how do you stand out? Uh, you know, back to that the, the helmet thing, Jimmy. I mean, I think it was in London at a fan event one year. I saw somebody with, like, a mini teal helmet. I think they were selling them over there. So, you know, that's kind of a thing at least there. You said they can only have one helmet, though, right? They can't have a throwback helmet or, or a, a different color helmet, right? That, yeah, that's correct. Right now, the NFL only allows one, like, one helmet. Um, now, obviously, certain players have backup helmets, quarterbacks, guys with the radios. They have multiple helmets in case something breaks. Right. Um, but you're really only allowed one look right now. Um, I think everybody's kind of starting to soften on that a little bit. Um, you know, probably eight years ago, I guess you could do that, where people actually had different color helmets. Um, but there was a little bit of concern about um, if a guy, you know, if we had a throwback helmet, but maybe he wore an old helmet, there weren't any more models in that. So, but now with the helmets being so new and guys wearing new helmets every year, it's really not an issue anymore. So um, I, I would see maybe in the next year or two that probably coming back, um, you know, with us. All right. Obviously, most of ours have kind of been black. We all we had the little bit of the, uh, the um, you know the 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 morph helmet there. That was pretty cool. You know, I don't know that we will see the two tone any anytime soon. But uh, but again, everybody had their favorite. I mean, you know the the two tone kind of grew on me there at the end. It kind of sad when it went away. But um, you know, like I say, everybody kind of has their favorites and. And, you know, it's like I was kind of fired up to finally get the teal uniforms. And then I look on Twitter and everybody's killing me because we're not wearing teal helmets. So so I can't <laughs> win. But, you know, it's one of those things. It's just kind of fun to, to see what everybody wants. Hey, Bucky, what was your favorite uniform combo with the Jags? Oh, uh, man, I, I'm just such a big fan of the teal jersey. So anything old school throwback, teal with the white pants for me was my favorite combination. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing the all teal. Yeah, fired up. So, Jimmy, let's take a look at what the Jaguars <laughs> will wear tomorrow night on Thursday Night Football. The Dolphins and the Jags in a Sunshine State showdown. What you got, Jimmy? There we go. So, we got, obviously, you know, we're going with the teal jerseys. You know, we've worn those quite a few times before. And then, to complete the look, the teal pants, which, you know, haven't made too many appearances, but this will be the first time with the all-teal. So, uh, I think everybody's pretty fired up about that. Good luck. We'll see those tomorrow night at TIAA Bank Field as the Jags host the Dolphins. Uh, Jimmy, we will talk to you next week before the Jags hit the road again to face the Cincinnati Bengals. Have a good one tomorrow night. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks, JP. Thanks, Buggy. Jimmy Luck joining us each week, the head equipment manager for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Teal on teal tomorrow for the Jags. Wear your teal tomorrow night, too. Why not? Let's come back in a moment. And we'll get a scout's take from Bucky Brooks, and we'll pick our big game Jaguars for Thursday night football. And this is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. You can step up to luxury now. Hello, I'm Dan Fields 
Whatever you're driving, you can step up to luxury now. Plus, get our Fields amenities, which include complimentary loaners, car washes, and our cafes. Make this your year to step up to luxury at Fields Cadillac, Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Land Rover, Jaguar, and Lexus. When it comes to the ultimate car buying experience, there's only one name that matters, Fields. And Fields matters because you matter. The Fields Auto Group, proud partners of your Jacksonville Jaguars. DreamFinders Homes has a simple commitment to their home buyers. Deliver unsurpassed quality, uncompromising value, and an extraordinary level of customization you simply won't find with other home builders. With over 40 communities to choose from, you'll find a location you love and the home of your dreams. DreamFinders has townhomes, single-family homes, and custom estate homes starting from the high 100s and a wide selection of move-in ready homes. Quality, value, customization, that's the DreamFinders difference. Call 904-738-0165 or online at DreamFindersHomes.com. DreamFinders Homes, the official home builder of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Prices subject to change without notice equal housing opportunity pinpoint the official signage partner of the jacksonville jaguars helps business decision makers like you maximize the impact of their brand your company's identification advertising and even the words you use make an impression on your clients with pinpoint as your coach you can make sure it's a good impression pinpoint provides the creative design and production services for anything you need to enhance your brand from custom signage to complete marketing solutions. Step up your game with Pinpoint and create the ultimate brand experience for your clients. Visit experiencepinpoint.com. The Jaguars have introduced Jags at Home, an interactive second screen experience on Jags game days featuring Ashlyn Sullivan and Eric Dunn each, each game day. Including tomorrow night, you'll have a chance to win $10,000 in cash and prizes. Visit jagsathome.com and enter to win and uh, join them tomorrow night as they'll uh, get on the air about 15 minutes before kickoff. 8.20, the slated kickoff time tomorrow for the Jags and the Dolphins. J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, John Osier back along with us here in just a little bit. Uh, and Bucky, I saw a, a tweet that you had earlier today and it piqued my interest. So let's let's delve into this a little bit. It's the youth movement at the quarterback position in the league. Yeah, there are always young quarterbacks that play, but there are some quarterbacks that are young that are playing very well so far. Five quarterbacks 25 years old or younger have 40-plus passing attempts and a 100-plus rating through two games, the most in the Super Bowl era. Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Gardner, Jared Goff, and Patrick Mahomes. That's, uh, that's quite a list. It is quite a list. JP, just think about like how much the game has changed just since you've been involved in the National Football League. We used to hear for years, young quarterbacks needed to sit. Um, they, gotta, they have to fit into our system. But now we're seeing more and more coaches make the game very, very easy for the quarterback. We're seeing how quarterbacks, regardless of what round they're drafted, they're coming in and having success. And so I think it's kind of the perfect storm. Uh, guys are training year-round as quarterbacks from an early age. They're exposed to 707 when they're teenagers. They're playing in spread offenses in high school where they're throwing it 25 and 30 times a game. The system in college really puts the ball in their hands and allows them to make some decisions. And then in the National Football League, we're seeing more NFL offensive coordinators take some of those concepts from the college game and put them into play. And now the game on Sunday looks very, very similar to the way the game looks on Saturday. And so a lot of these young quarterbacks are benefiting from these changes. Yeah, it, it's, um, it has changed, and that has been a very recent change because, you know, in the, in the college game, that the read option stuff and the, the spread option and all that, 
you are putting your quarterback at risk a lot of those times when you have a running quarterback goes around. But we're seeing a couple of these names on this list that can do just that. And so far, it's been okay with Lamar Jackson and, and Josh Allen especially. Um, is the league taking a turn towards that, I think, uh, being okay with mobile quarterbacks who might just pull the ball and run on their own? That, that was not really heard of about 10 years ago. It's not really heard of. But when you think about the top quarterbacks that people are celebrating in recent time, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, both of those guys have captured MVPs. There's a rise when people are talking about Kyler Murray being this. Deshaun Watson has been rewarded with a big contract. Um, you're seeing that athleticism is now one of the requisite requirements to be able to play the position. And I'm not as concerned about guys running the ball as much because this is how... This is the way these guys have been playing since uh, they've been playing youth league. This is what the quarterback is being asked to do in the lower levels. And so they're increasingly comfortable running the ball, putting themselves on the perimeter, being an extra ball carrier. And so I think we as fans have to adjust our thinking to being like, yeah, the prototypical franchise quarterback also has the ability to run the ball at times. Interesting uh, transition, I think, around the National Football League is underway. Uh, uh, John Osier is back with us now, and uh, we're, we're talking about, John, the, the youth movement at the quarterback position and the success that uh, a handful of players are having at the position that are 25 years old and younger. And, John, they're, they're throwing the kids out there and letting them play early and letting them play a style of ball they've played throughout their upbringing which, you know, you used to have to really fit into a system in the NFL that seems to have changed over the years. Yeah, I have thoughts on this where we could go until 6 o'clock Eastern, but, uh, Bucky, it's 3 o'clock your time. Um, the first thing I wonder is the rules have changed so much that I think it's so in favor of quarterback play that it helps a lot of these young guys. Think about it. Every team has a legitimate quarterback right now, and it seems like there's a thousand great ones. That's never happened. So I, I think they're benefiting a little from the rules, and that's the old guy in me, get off my lawn, you know, all that. But it, it, there's something to that. What I wonder, Bucky, is yes, they're more mobile and they're more, and they're more running, and it's great. It's exciting. I wonder in 15 years if we look at it and wonder, you know, did some careers end early? Did the mobility cost them? Maybe not, but I still think that's, the, that's what you wonder is, are they going to take hits and shorten their careers? And if so, is that just going to be the trend moving forward, that maybe they don't play 20 years now? That if you're taking these shots, you're going to maybe have a quarterback in his prime for eight years rather than maybe 18. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just skeptical, but I do wonder if that's going to come into play long after I'm retired. Hopefully. <laughs> no, John, I, I think it's a good point. But I think what has happened, we got comfortable with the quarterback playing 15, 16, 17 years, but that wasn't always necessarily the standard. I think it kind of changed when we saw Brett Favre play um, for a long time. Then we saw Peyton Manning. We've seen Tom Brady and Drew Brees play for a long time. But I don't think that's necessarily the way that we should view the franchise quarterback. If they play that long, it's great. But just, just look at Cam Newton, who is in his 10th year. If you think about what he was able to accomplish those first four or five years where he was an MVP, they went to a Super Bowl, 
that's kind of the thing. And when you look at the team building process, your window to win the Super Bowl typically happens when they're playing on their rookie contract. The trend that I'm waiting to see is someone to go all in on the athletic quarterback and allow him to play the way that he plays where you run him. And then he gets to the end of his rookie deal. And maybe you go and get another one, just like you do in college. That is where or you maybe draft I'm, I'm, two like that. So you have a backup. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm waiting yeah. to see And Baltimore has done some of that where they have Jackson, RG three, um, McSorley guys that can play the same system, but I'm waiting for to see someone treat the quarterback position like we treated in college where, Hey, we have him for a while, but then he graduates and we bring in another one. Maybe somebody has um, the courage to try and take a different, a different approach to the quarterback position. Almost like the, the running, running back, back position. That's how teams do running bit. backs now. Right, yeah. JP, exactly. That's right. That's right. We're on the same wavelength, John, on that uh, comment there, because like running that. backs, what, Bucky, last three, three and a half years in the NFL, and then here comes another one. So, And there's the school of thought by a lot of folks that you, you never draft a running back in the first round because you can replace them. It, it, maybe that's something to think about for quarterbacks down the line, I wonder. Yeah, no, I, I do think it, there's something to that because if we we all can acknowledge that the, the championship window is w- the rookie deal, the five-year mark with the rookie deal. Well, why not try to extend that deal? Because what happens is when you have the rookie quarterback or the quarterback playing on the cheap deal, well, now I can spend money other places to upgrade the talent around him. Who is going to be the team builder that is willing to take some of the blowback from the fans when you don't re-sign the quarterback, but you're saying – Hey, whoever plays quarterback for us, look at all of the weapons that we've given them. Our system allows anybody to be successful. It's uh, food for thought. Let's uh, say that. We'll continue that conversation as the years go along. Um, Let's get the scouts' view of Gardner Minshew last week. Uh, Bucky, we're going to start this. We're going to call this a segment, and we're going to call it scouts' view. Um, Give us... A couple of positive things that you saw from Gardner last week and a couple of things from the Jags quarterback that maybe he didn't execute so well that he can improve upon on Thursday night football tomorrow night. Man, frankly, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I, I am pleasantly surprised by Gardner Minshew. And look, I, I'm slow to come around. The guy was taken in the sixth round. I watched him play at the Senior Bowl, and I didn't necessarily view him as a franchise quarterback. But here's what the great thing about the National Football League You play, you get an opportunity to change narratives. And I think he's beginning to change the narrative because he has been very effective. He's been very efficient. We've rattled off the numbers that he has been able to post um, for the Jaguars. And the fact that he's doing it in his second system that he's played in, you have to begin to eventually say, hey, maybe he has a little something that we didn't think that he had when we drafted him. What you want to continue to see him improve upon, cut down on the turnovers, continue to be a guy that can really own the offense, meaning at some point, hey, can we go no huddle and let him do everything? He seems to thrive in that offense at times. Some of that goes back to his days with Mike Leach at Washington State. But man, if he can ever have complete ownership of this offense where you can trust him to just go run it and make his own plays. So now the Jaguars can kind of change the tempo and put the defense on their heels by the way they play. That's when you see Garner Minshew go next level. He's shown that, but can he show it consistently? John, there were a couple of moments in the game last week where, you know, he maybe still escaped the pocket a little quickly 
or didn't escape the pocket when he needed to or throw the ball away. He had a, what, a 20-yard sack at a key moment in the game last week, John. Yeah, and I've been harping on that. I've written about it in the Ozone ad nauseum and asked about it. And I, I almost have a feeling now that when I talk about those things, I'm too nitpicky on it. You know, and you read it every day, JP, because you have to. I've been looking for reasons why he's not, and that's the only reason you read it, but it, I've been looking for reasons why he's not going to make it. And I don't think he's ever going to be able to drive the ball. I think you're always going to have an issue when teams rush and contain him. And then there was the play the other day with the 20-yard sack, and it'd be, easier, it'd be easy to say, oh, that's why he can't do it. He still has not played 16 NFL games. You can get away from, you know, you can learn from what he did the other day that was wrong. You know, he's going to be the starting quarterback here. I think he is, I don't see any way that he's not going to be the starting quarterback moving forward. And I think the question now is, how good can he be? Not whether he's going to be here or not. They're going to win too many games to get the quarterback next year or whatever. He's the guy. And what I want to see is how good can he be? And so far, most of the stuff that I see that he's not doing can be fixed. So I'm optimistic, just like Bucky. I've come around in two weeks as well. We're on the same team, you and me, Buck. <laughs> I love it. Hey, John, but I think you make a great point because here's the dilemma that Dave Caldwell and the coaching staff are going to be in. Garner Minshew may lead the Jaguars to too many wins. And so sure. say they win six, seven, eight, nine games, somewhere in there, right? And so now you may be out of the quarterback sweepstakes with the top guys. If Let's just assume Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance come out. So what eventually is Garner Minshew's ceiling? Is he a 9-10 win quarterback and that's all we can expect? Or does he have the potential in time to be a 12-13 win quarterback who also can win playoff games? Is he Case Keenum? Is he Kirk Cousins? Is he Drew Brees? Where does he fall in the pecking order? That's the challenge that Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone may have to make when they're kind of projecting, okay, here's the roadmap for the franchise. How good is our quarterback? How, how many games? What is the ceiling for our team with him at the helm? It's a projection game for sure. At, the, at that point, you got to figure out uh, what you're comfortable with and, and what the offense is going to look like. Moving ahead, there's our scouts' view this week with Bucky Brooks. Let's get to Big Game Jaguar. It's our weekly look at our picks for Jaguars to have a big game. And this week, it's a big stage. Thursday night football, 8.20 kickoff time tomorrow night at TIAA Bank Field. The Miami Dolphins and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Bucky, who you got this week? Well, look, man, my guy's a, a questionable game time decision, but I need DJ Chark to show up and play and to be a dominant force. With so much man-to-man -man coverage, John and JP, you guys have alluded to, we need to push the ball down the field. Well, DJ Chark does it as, as well as anybody on the field. Need him to play and need him to play really, really well against the Miami Dolphins. Johnny O, who you got? Well, I went with Miles Jack, and I've been on him all year. It's a safe pick because he's going to play well. He showed the first two games. He's at a high level, he's healthy, he likes where he's playing. He was a big name coming out. Everybody knew Miles Jack, and I think the last couple years in Jacksonville, he's disappeared from that national spotlight. Big game tomorrow night on primetime. 
to me, if Miles is going to make the Pro Bowl, which I think he's capable of, a play tomorrow night, some sort of big impact play to sort of get people talking about him again, this is the stage. He's not thinking about that. But along those lines, I think that could be his game. I think Miles Jack does make the Pro Bowl in part because of a huge play tomorrow night. Right, you got Miles Jack, Bucky. You got DJ Chark. Uh, if he's up and, and active and ready to go, I'm going to take the tight end Tyler Eifert. Last week, the Jags had seven tight end receptions in the game. Eifert had four of those, and his first touchdown with the Jags is 25th career score. And with all that man-to-man -man coverage, maybe he can find a crease over the middle and, and give Gardner an extra option in this offense tomorrow. It feels like they're starting to warm up the tight end position in the passing game if you go off last week's game. So give me Tyler Eifert. So Bucky has Chark, Osher has Jack, Chadrick has Eifert. Those are our big game Jaguars for tomorrow night. Big game, Bucky. This is going to be a fun one tomorrow night. I can't wait for it. Man, I am really excited about it. I think uh, the, na the nation finally gets an opportunity to really look at the Jaguars and the positive things that are going on. I think the guy to watch LaVisca Chanel could have a breakout party on Thursday night. We've seen this stuff kind of begin to bubble up. He could have a breakout game. That's uh, Bucky's big game Jaguar part due, uh, John. I cheated. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Edge your bet a little bit. They need to win this. They think they're a contender. They think they're good. Show it. We'll find out tomorrow night, 820. Bucky, we'll talk to you in the postgame. John, we'll talk to you in the pregame. And uh, thanks to both of you guys. Thanks to our entire crew. And thanks to you for watching today's program. For everyone involved, I'm J.P. Shadrick. And this is Jaguars Happy Hour, presented by the Fields Auto Group on the Jaguars Digital Network.